I am looking forward to sharing with you. I had sat there and thought about it this week, and I thought, what can I share with God's people today? Because this is a brand new year, 2018, and uh, what is it that I can start with? What kind of message can I start with that would benefit God's people the most? And there's so many subjects in the Word of God that would absolutely be wonderful for today. Uh, We could talk about prayer. We could talk about all sorts of important subjects in the Bible. And yet I believe Jesus gave me a message just for you that will help catapult you into your God-given dreams and your destiny of your callings in life and help you come up a little higher. So anyway, I also wanted to ask you real quick, how many of you made it to our night of worship last Wednesday? Wasn't that powerful? God moved in a great way. He is awesome. Uh, We've been having testimonies come in since Thursday morning of God already answering those prayer requests and those goals that they had written out, uh, and it was just uh, just an amazing, amazing week. Uh, one one uh, family sent in a, a request or uh, a praise report last night, and they were just thinking about it all week long, thinking, "I just I don't know how they." How, how we knew that. Because when we prayed over your goals this last Wednesday, I don't know what you wrote down. I just set my faith in agreement with you. And one guy, he said, uh, he said, it just has been messing with my mind all week because you prayed specifically over all five goals. You mentioned all five goals without even knowing what they were. And what that was, was not me, because I don't know that kind of stuff, but God does. And God had you know that he knows what you've written down for your goals, and he's reassuring you, saying, hey, I believe that 2018 is going to be your best year yet. So God did a great work on Wednesday, and we're already seeing answered prayers, and people are already seeing these miracles come to fruition. So I think God uh, deserves some praise right now, don't you think? Give him a big hand clap. Let him know how much you love him. I'm telling you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if you've been serving a God that you can't hear or you can't see and can't experience kind of thing, you've probably been serving a dead God. But you know Jesus is alive. And uh, he's alive more than he has ever been before. And it's just a blessing to be able to serve him. So, well, I want to get into our message. I want to talk today for a few moments about the importance of going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. God wants us to distinguish ourselves this year. I believe that when we make the mindset and the decision to go the extra mile, God will bring us into promotion and honor. He will help us to get into our God-given dreams. When we take time to distinguish ourselves by going the extra mile, if there's one word you can take home for this whole year, focus on becoming distinguished. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, it says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. In other words, In those days, the Roman soldiers, it was actually permitted by law to require the citizens of Rome to carry their gear for a mile. And Jesus is saying, don't do just the bare minimum. Go the extra mile. Go two miles. That's how you become a standout. That's how you become a cut above others. Don't do just what your boss wants you to do. Are you hearing me, folks? Don't do what just your parents want you to do, what they're expecting out of you. Go above and beyond. Go the extra mile. That's how you become not just an ordinary person, but an extraordinary person. In other words, let me put it this way. A lot of times in the millennial generation, the people in the millennial generation, and, and it's, it's not just the millennial generation, it's all generations, I'll put it this way, but they want to be in charge now. They want the mountain now without doing the work to get up there. You, you know what I'm talking about? 
Uh, now, we've got uh, three or four millennials that work for High Point Church, and they are the best workers in the world. They're amazing, and I'm so grateful. But that's not as common in this world. Most people want to be in charge now. They want more authority, more power. They want to be in control. They want to shout demands and tell you what to do. But that's not what Jesus is telling us to do. He's saying, you focus on adding value. You focus on influence, not authority. Because when you then do get authority, you'll still have your influence. Because there's not one person in this world that wants to work for someone who puts a gun to your back and says, you've got to do. And they shout orders at you doing what they want you to do. Everyone wants to follow someone like Jesus who says, I will lead by example. I will go the extra mile. I will care for you. Because nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. God wants you to become distinguished. He wants you to go the extra mile. He wants you to look for ways that you can add value. He wants you to look for ways that you can serve somebody and help others win. In other words, when you're at the grocery store and you get uh, maybe you're at Walmart or Target or somewhere else, and you get some nylons maybe. Some of you ladies, you know what I'm hearing? Right now, where I'm going with this, you get some nylons, and all of a sudden you decide, you know, I really don't need that pair of nylons, and so you put it in the grocery section. Don't do that. Bring it back to where you found it. Uh, when you're staying in a hotel room, turn the lights off. Why? I'm paying a lot of money for that hotel room. God is watching because when you help others win in life, whether anybody else is watching does not matter because God is always watching Look for ways that you can add value. If there's a mess on the floor, look for ways to clean up that mess. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Look for ways that you can help be a blessing, to edify, to encourage, to build people up, not to tear them down. Look for ways to leverage your influence and to help others get ahead in life. And when you do, because of sowing and reaping being a spiritual principle, if you sow kindness, if you sow love, if you sow generosity, if you sow uh, just whatever you sow, you're going to reap back the benefits of it. So God is saying, distinguish yourself this year, and he'll take you places you never dreamed possible. If you're wanting permission, motion, you want to be in charge, then look for ways to add influence, how to add value to the people around you. Because how do you lead when you're not in charge? Because most people are saying, give me more power, give me more authority. I want to be in charge. And then I will work a little bit harder. No, you come in 10 minutes early to work and leave 10 minutes late. You know what I'm saying? If you walk into the bathroom and nobody's in there and there's garbage on the floor, pick it up and throw it away. If there's a mess somewhere, clean it up. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You look for ways to add value to the people around you, whether anybody else sees it or not. God is watching the details of your life. He's looking to see how is that person helping others get ahead in life because that's when true promotion comes because everybody wants to have leadership. But the factor is, is that leadership is influence. Nothing more and nothing less. It is absolutely influence. So if we put you in charge and you're just used to shouting orders, are you hearing me, parents? Because this is important because that's what has been concerning Amy and I the most. This year, going into 2018, what's been concerning us the most is parents who get put in charge and they're not ready for leadership yet. And they're shouting orders and they're barking at their kids, telling them what to do. And it's basically like putting a gun behind their back because I am dad, I am mom. And I'm telling you, those kids may do it because you're in charge, but in their hearts they're thinking, I really don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I, I feel like I'm being controlled. I feel like I know what we need to do is we need to lead by example. We need to show them how to make their beds. We need to, I'm not saying do 
the work for them. I'm saying lead by example. Show them how to pick up the mess, how to clean up the mess, how to do these things. Teach them good work ethic, but lead by example and don't shout orders. Uh, Don't be an authoritative type personality. Be an example through humility and serving. And that's what Jesus taught us is that if you want to succeed, if you want to win in life, if you want to be in charge, then become the greatest servant that there is that the world has ever seen. Isn't that true with uh, the sons of Zebedee? In Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, the mother of Zebedee comes to Jesus and says, will you do me a favor, Jesus? And he's like, what, what can I do for you? And she said, I want you to promote my kiddos. Now, how many moms want their kiddos to be promoted? I get that. I mean, dads, moms, they want their kids to be promoted. And so Jesus said, well, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Because can they drink what I'm going to drink kind of thing? Can they be baptized with what I'm going to be baptized with? Are they going to be willing to lay down their lives like I'm going to lay down my lives? And the, the sons of Zebedee, John and James, are like, yeah, we can. Amen. We can do it, Jesus. And he said, okay, now I want to clarify something. Who's in charge ultimately is not my position. That's not my calling. It's God's calling. It's my father's calling. But listen, if you want to be in charge of, if you really, really want to be in charge, he took this as an opportunity because the 10 disciples were upset. They were like, man, what is wrong with those guys? They want to be in charge of me? Who do they think they are? So the disciples were mad. Jesus says, hey, I got a moment. Let me talk to you guys. Let me explain something. You guys, you want to be in charge? You want some authority? Then become the greatest servants. Become a servant. Look for ways to add value to the people around you. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, greatness is found in serving. If you want to be in charge, if you want some authority, then become a great servant. Look for ways that you can add value in your marriage, in your relationships, with your kiddos, with your parents. Look for ways with your boss. Don't give them half your heart. Give them your whole heart when you're there or her. Give them all of you. Don't make personal calls when you're working. Wait until your break. And then when you have a lunch break, go the extra mile. Go above and beyond what your boss is expecting. And go to him or her and say, what can I do for you? I'm on lunch break right now. What can I do for you? Is there something else I can help you with? Go the extra mile. Go above and beyond the call of duty. Look for ways to add value to the people that are above you. In authority, look for ways to add value to the people that are beside you, your colleagues. And look for Ways that add value to the people who are below you in possible rankings in your careers or callings or whatever you may be in right now. Whether we're talking about kids, we're talking about our spouse, or we're talking about the Lord Jesus. Because this is what God's looking at is he wants you to focus on how can I add value everywhere I go? How can I leverage my influence to help others win in life? Don't wait and sit back and say, I will become a leader if someone will give me some authority and put me in charge. No, you become a leader now by adding influence. That's how you lead when you're not in charge is you look for ways to add influence. And when you focus on cultivating influence, you're heading down the right road in life. 
This is what's going to cause people to want to follow you as a Christian. These are the people who are going to say, you know what? I really appreciate that smile you gave me when I didn't have a smile. I appreciate that handshake that you gave me or that high five when I felt like I needed to be encouraged. I really appreciate that hug that you gave me because I really needed one. In other words, look for ways to add value. Whether we're talking about serving, adding influence in one way or another, look for ways to be a gift and a blessing in your community, in your church, in your workplaces, look for ways to be a gift like Jesus showed us how to do it. Greatness is found in serving. At another point, Jesus' disciples were arguing. Once again, they maybe just didn't learn the lesson yet, and so they're having this little tip about who's going to become the greatest. Watch what Jesus says once again to reaffirm this truth in Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. Now there was also a dispute among them to which of them should be considered the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet Jesus says, I am among you as the one who serves. In other words, if you want to be in charge, if you want authority, then follow me. Follow my example of humility and serving one another. Look for ways to add value. Focus on influence, not authority. If you focus on influence, you will eventually get authority. But when you once again get into authority, you will have still the influence. Because once again, leadership is influence. It's not position and it's not title. As much as many people think it is, it is not true. Position does not give you the permission to speak into the lives of others around you. They may do it for a paycheck for a season, but if you're barking orders at them, eventually you're going to lose influence. What we are focused on as Christ followers is adding influence, adding value into the lives of those around us, serving one another, whether we're talking about, once again, above us, Beside us or below us in rankings, you could say, look for ways to leverage your influence, add value, look for those God-given opportunities to go the extra mile, to go above and beyond what you are expected to do, and God will take you places you never dreamed possible. I heard about this intern that was working for a governor one day uh, a number of years ago. And he was in and out of the office taking copies and doing things of that nature. And the conversation was getting escalated. They were talking about education, and voices were starting to boom. It was getting a little tense in the room, in the office. And all of a sudden, when it got to the point where it was really getting out of control, all of a sudden he heard this loud banging. It was boom, boom, boom on the table. And this loud bellow came out. A booming voice came out and said, I am the governor of Georgia. Listen to me. And I'll tell you what, even though he said that he had never read a relationship book or a leadership book yet at that point, he said he knew immediately something was broken. That man who was shouting orders and authority, he might have, uh, can you actually get people to submit by shouting orders? Yes, you can. But I can promise you, reassure you, that that day they might have said, yes, sir, what can we do for you? But I can tell you right now that those people, some of them, went home and updated their LinkedIn resumes because they were not willing to be having a gun put to their back. They want to follow someone who will lead by example rather than shouting orders. God wants people who will lead by example. Ask yourself the tough questions. What's it like to be on the other side of me? 
Ask those who are closest to you. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Is it good? Do you feel safe? Do you feel protected? Do you feel secure? How do you feel? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Ask those tough questions. Are we improving our people skills? Are we inc- uh, improving our relationship skills? Are we taking time to develop? Are we listening to podcasts? Are we taking time to invest in ourselves? Are we meeting uh, the requirements, just bare minimum requirements? Are we going above and beyond the call of duty? This is how you're going to lead even when you're not in charge. Don't wait until you're in charge to start looking for ways to add value. Look to add value now. Think of yourself as a Navy SEAL. If God was to let you down in an organization, whether it was a low-level position, a mid-level position, or an executive position, could you change that organization? And the answer is yes. You can change that organization, not based upon whether you have authority or not, but based upon adding influence, serving, adding value. That's how we change this world, is we change ourselves. We look for ways to become selfless and sacrificing ourselves to help others win in life. Isn't that how Jesus taught us to be? Is that he was willing to give up everything so you and I could win for the rest of eternity. And that's what he said. This is what I want you to do, is I want you to lay down your lives as if you were in my position for the church, for the bride. I want you to be selfless. I want you to follow my example. I think about in this story, there's a story in the Old Testament about Abraham. Abraham's getting older. Abraham's a very wealthy man. And he's got a son named Isaac. So everything that Abraham has is going to go to Isaac. Isaac's going to make a great groom someday for one lady who's going to be very blessed. Isaac's a sweet young boy who does not have a wife yet. So Abraham says, I don't want a wife for him in this area that we're living. I want, I want him to have a wife from where we originally came from. Someone who is a God-fearing woman. And so he says to one of his employees, one of his servants, he says, I want you to go back to where we're from. And I want you to find a wife for my son Isaac. And so the guy, of course, accepts this assignment. He heads back, and this man starts praying this prayer and says, God, I want to know that I know that I know who the right person is by whether or not she serves, whether she's got a heart to serve. In other words, when I ask for a cup of water, I pray that she would not only give me a cup of water, but she'd even feed water my camels, which there were 10 camels. And if you know anything about camels, if a camel has gone a long ways on a long day, they can drink up to 30 gallons of water at a time, each camel. And he's got 10 camels. And this is his prayer. This is how I know. This is, she's going to be someone who goes above and beyond the call of duty. So sure enough, as soon as he finishes prayer, he has this beautiful woman that's coming, and her name is Rebecca. Rebecca comes, and he says to this woman, he says, Listen, could I have a cup of water, please? She says, yes, but not only that, but I would like to water all of your camels, too. Now, if you, again, think about that. If Rebecca's got a one-gallon bucket, do you realize that's 300 times back and forth to the well? She was a person who was willing to say, I'll roll up my sleeves. I'll go above and beyond what you're requesting. I won't do just the bare minimum. I will go the extra mile. And, of course, she ended up marrying Isaac as a result. God says there are great God-given opportunities in your life, 
but you need to take time to distinguish yourself by looking for ways that you can add value to the people around you. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. So when people begin to see that you're distinguishing yourself, now watch, it doesn't say God distinguished Daniel. It says Daniel distinguished himself. In other words, he looked for ways to be a gift and a blessing. He, had a per- he was a person of an excellent spirit. In other words, he didn't cut corners. He was a cut above the others around him. And the king made plans to promote him because he was a man who distinguished himself. When you do your part, God will always do his part. Look for ways to add value. Again, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Think of it this way. If you're out shopping, ladies or men, and you knock a shirt off, pick it up. Hang it up again. Well, what if there's a shirt on the ground that I didn't knock off? Pick it up and fold it up or put it back on the hanger. Well, that's what the employees are for. Don't wait for others to come and serve you. Look for ways that you can serve others. And when you leverage your value, when you start looking for ways to add value, when you start helping others win, God will make sure the spiritual principles of sowing and reaping will come back to bless you and to bring you up in life. Because when you take care of things when nobody else is watching, God will take care of things that concern you when you're not watching. God is a good God, but he's also a just God. Look for ways that you can add value to the people around you. Again, people who are distinguished are the ones who go above and beyond, who go the extra mile, but also do what's right in life. Joseph in the Bible. Think about Joseph. Joseph, even though there were some unjust situations, he did his best to honor and respect the roles that he kept being put in. And as a result, God kept promoting Joseph until he eventually became the governor of Egypt. Again, ask yourself these questions. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Not for yourself, but to ask the people that are closest to you. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Uh, Am I going? Ask yourself the question. Am I going the extra mile? Am I doing more than what I have to? Am I improving my skills? Am I investing in myself so I become better and I think better and I think more clearly? Are you taking the time to be with Jesus each and every day? Because when you're surrounded with Jesus each and every single day who teaches you this principle, you will have a desire to become more like Jesus. Distinguish yourself. The world says blame everybody else around you. Blame everybody else when you're lacking success in your life because it's their fault. You know what I'm saying? That's what human nature even wants you to do. You know, when things aren't going right, maybe you have an experience, you want to change everybody else except you. That's what the flesh wants to do. That's what human nature wants to do. That's the world's perspective of, you know, change everybody else around you so you remain comfortable. But that's not God's picture in his word. He says, you change you and you'll be an inspiration to the world. In other words, the greatest revivals that have ever taken place in the church, in the kingdom of God, are people who come to church, not because they're bringing and dragging somebody to church, you've got to change kind of thing, but they come Come to the altar, you could say, for Jesus saying, God, change me. Change me as a result. And when you change yourself, you will begin to change the world that you live in. Whether we're talking about your marriage, your family, your, uh, uh, you know, the society that you're living in, the workplaces that you're in. When you have a decision made up in your mind, instead of focusing on everybody else's faults, and you say, God, change me, then you will become the inspiration. Then you will become the salt and light that Jesus said you are. 
Again, are people watching us? And the answer is yes, people are watching us. I have a friend who uh, pastors a large ministry. He's on a large television network. He, uh, millions of people watch him every week. And uh, this friend of ours was sharing one time. He said that he was in a hurry for a meeting. He had a meeting scheduled, and he was running almost a little bit late, and he did not want to be late. And I know him well enough to know he does not like to be late for any meetings. And he was in a hurry. And so he got out. He parked in the parking lot. He got out of his car. And as soon as he got out of the car, there was three small pieces that were meaningless paper, but they blew out of his car and all over the parking lot. Now he had a decision to make. Ah, that's meaningless paper. Um, nobody sees me. Should I run in to do the meeting or should I pick up the paper? Because he does not cut corners, he's a, he's a man of God who believes in doing things with an excellent spirit, he chased after those three pieces of paper. He eventually caught them all three as they're blowing all over the parking lot. He caught them all and he was about to red, run into the meeting. And all of a sudden, who he did not know, but there was a couple sitting in a car, rolled down their window and said, Pastor, we see you on television every week. And we wondered what you would do when we saw those three small pieces of paper blow out of your car. So you may think nobody's watching you, but don't be surprised when they are watching you. Because the only Bible sometimes they'll ever read is your life. And even if nobody is watching you, guess what? God is. Once again in Colossians, the Apostle Paul says these words, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. That's what character is. Doing what is right when nobody else is watching. That's integrity. That's character. I'll close with this story. A number of years ago, we worked for a large television ministry, a very, very big ministry. And uh, we're so grateful and honored to have the uh, experience that we had with them. They are wonderful people, wonderful men and women of God. Uh, but in the Fort Worth area, that we had over 500-plus employees right there at that ministry. It's a very large ministry, probably one of the largest television ministries in the world. And so here we are in this Fort Worth experiencing I'm sitting there doing my very best to add value every day. So when I didn't have enough work, I'd go to my supervisor and say, can I have something else to do? Is there something else I can do? I'm looking for ways to not get there right on time, but to get ahead of time and to stay a little bit late. I'm doing things to add value like I'm talking about. This is what I practice. When I went into the bathroom and there's toilet paper on the ground, I would pick it up and throw it away. If there is a mess on the sink with water and soap and everything from the soap dispenser, I would take just a few seconds to wipe it up. Were there employees? that were hired for that? The answer is yes. But it only took me a few seconds and I simply just wanted to add value. My heart, I knew that nobody was watching at times, but what my heart was is I wanted to treat that ministry as if it was my own father's ministry. And I remember one day when we were coming to the end of our season there and the Lord started speaking to us about moving to Minnesota and so on like that. And we just wanted that reassurance that it was really God to move up, to move away from everything that we knew, all the familiarity and all the family and friends that we were with in a wonderful ministry that we were working for. And uh, the Lord gave me a dream. And in this dream, this is just one of the many confirmations that he gave us. But he gave me a dream, and I walked into the headquarter building where the main lobby was. And I immediately saw some garbage, and I practiced what I preached. And so I went over there, and I immediately picked up the garbage and threw it away. And that's when I heard the Holy Spirit say these words to me. He said, because you have treated this as if it was your own father's ministry, I am now promoting you over your own ministry. God is looking at the little details in your life. Are you adding value each day? Are you looking for ways to be a gift and a blessing to the people around you? Whether nobody is looking or everybody is looking is not what's important. 
Because the one who it really matters, the Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. And if you do things with character and with integrity and you look for ways that you can leverage your influence and add value to the people around you, God will take you places that you never dreamed possible. But it starts with when nobody else is watching but Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Do you receive that today? Y'all have been wonderful listeners, amazing people to speak to. I want to close with just a closing thought on this because it starts in our personal relationship with the Lord. Why do some people, why do some people start off strong? Because there's a lot, of start, uh, a lot of strong starters, right, in life, in the workplaces, in the church. You know, they start off great, right, with a great attitude, wanting to help, add value. And they start off strong, but then eventually all of a sudden you don't see them as much, Right? And if we're talking about the church, you know, they start in, they're serving every week. They're looking for ways to add value to the kingdom of God. And they're serving, serving, serving. And all of a sudden, they start slipping out, maybe serving maybe just once a month. Maybe you just hardly see them. And they're only there when they're assigned to a responsibility. And you just don't see them very much in the church. Why is that? And it has much to do with this. Those that you surround yourself with are the ones that you're going to either become like and uh, or that's going to sharpen you like iron. The Bible says, choose your friends wisely. And if we're talking about church members, for example, if you are in a situation where you're starting to find yourself slip away from your relationship with Christ, and maybe you're not adding as much value to the church that you once did, and you were serving all the time, and you're in church all the time, you're reading the Bible all the time, and you're passionately pursuing Jesus, but all of a sudden you're finding yourself slipping a little bit more and more away, and you're not here as often. And this goes for the workplace. It goes for anything in life. Look at who your friends are because your closest inner circle of friends are who you're going to become just like. Are they people who add value and bring you up and stir up that passion, that zeal for you? Are they people who are zealous and excited about serving Jesus? Or are they people who are just like, oh, doing the bare minimums in life? You know, they come occasionally. Or if we're talking about in the workplaces, and they just do the bare minimums. Guess what? It's going to happen to you. You're going to start doing the bare minimums. Because the people that you surround yourself, the five people that you surround yourself with the most, who your inner circle of friends, don't get me wrong, be friends with many, but trust few. Who you let into your inner circle determines on how bright your future is going to be. So if you're starting to become more like them, uh, that could be a positive or negative based upon their zeal, their passion for Jesus Christ. Now, how do you curb it? Again, choose your friends wisely. And secondly, I want to kind of close with this, this thought in mind. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Jesus says to the loveless church, he said, you know what, the things that you used to do, you stopped doing. In other words, when you used to passionately pursue me, in other words, when you would get up in the middle of the night just to read the Bible, you know what it was like when you first accepted me and how you were so excited about getting to know me? I miss all that. Go back to the things that you once did. I challenged the first service. I said, you know what, if temptations are getting the better of you, then do something to change. Change your relationships. Take time to maybe read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again this week. Make it a goal to read through all four uh, Gospels this week. And you'll start thinking more like Jesus as a result. You'll start wanting what Jesus wants. But when the temptations come and you don't do anything to put anything in you, then guess what? It's going to happen. That gravitational pull of the world is going to suck you back to becoming just like the world. And the people are going to look at you and say, I, don't, I can't tell the difference. Are they a Christian or not a Christian? And that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be a standout. He wants you to be a cut above those around you. He wants you to be people of excellent spirit. He wants you to go the extra 
mile. But if you don't have that zeal, and I just don't feel like doing this anymore, and I just, I just, I'm tired of being a parent. Remember when you brought that baby home, and you were so excited, and you cried, and you're like, oh God, I'll be the best parent. I'm going to raise this parent, this child into a champion for Jesus. I'm so excited. But four years later, and it's like, Lord, can I get a babysitter, please? I really need to delegate this responsibility. No, God needs you to keep that zeal, that passion alive. And how you do it is you choose your friends wisely, invest in yourself, keep yourself looking more and more like Jesus each and every single day, and make sure you keep that passion stirred up. The Apostle Paul said, stir up that flame within you. If you receive this, would you say amen? All right, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you so much again for being great listeners. I wanted to add that last excerpt into it. Lord, thank you so much for being so good to us. Thank you for being the example that you are to us. We really appreciate you. We love you and we truly are grateful. And we ask today that you would help us to come back to the place we once were when we first found you, Jesus. Help us to stir up that passion, that zeal. Help us to choose our friends wisely. Help us to invest in ourselves spiritually and to keep growing in our relationship with you, Jesus. Help us to become more and more like you each and every single day by carving out time and investing time with you each and every day. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in a position, maybe you're the person that I'm talking about. You kind of started slipping back. You kind of started slipping away from the things that God has called you to do. You're saying, Pastor, that's me. I've just been, I've kind of been losing that zeal and that excitement, that passion, and I really need to get back on course with the Lord. Let me put it this way. Maybe there's some of you, you've never even made the decision to accept Jesus Christ. Today, God wants to do a miracle in your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe, I'm not saying you've way backslidden, but you just have lost that zeal and that passion that you once had for Jesus and for serving him and building his kingdom and adding value. And you're starting to see that that's affecting your workplaces and everywhere else in your life, your marriage, your family. God wants to do something in your heart, but it starts with you opening up and saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. That's when you will experience a revival. Maybe you've never made that decision to accept Christ, but today you want to say, Pastor, I want to accept Christ. I want to make the decision to follow him for the rest of my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no matter what occasion it might be, whether it's the first time accepting Jesus Christ or you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus, you want to get back on course with him. You want that zeal. You want that passion back. You want to recommit your life to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those who are watching online, those who are here in person today, if that's you, would you be bold enough all over this auditorium right now to slip up a hand saying, Pastor, that's me. Please pray for me. Thank you for your honesty and your courage. I know it takes boldness to do that. You can put your hands down. Anyone else who's saying, Pastor, please pray for me too. I need to accept Christ. I need to get back on course with him. I need to recommit my life to him right now all over this room. Just to any, anyone else, just a moment longer. Hey, I appreciate that honesty. Thank you so much. Thank you. It takes courage to do that. It takes faith to do that. So I'm going to ask, with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, I'm going to ask the rest of the congregation to join you in this prayer. We're going to lead you in this prayer, and the rest of us are going to join you to be an encouragement, to be the wind beneath your wings. But I believe God's going to do a miracle in your life. So would you put a hand on your heart today, and I want you to follow me in this prayer. I believe God's going to do a miracle right now, today, for all those who have made this decision. They want back on course, or they want to accept Christ for the first time. Please follow me in this prayer and repeat with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Would you just give them a hand clap? Let them know how much you love them, how much you appreciate them.